Broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Welcome everyone to another edition of Conversations with Carlton, a uh, production of uh, TEDC. Um, today we have the 2018 chair, Tom Long, with us to, uh, to talk about economic development. Tom, welcome. Great to have you on. Thanks, Carlton. It's good to be on. Uh, welcome to all who might be listening to the podcast and good morning to Carlton. Look forward to our conversation. Great, great. Tom, um, what I'd like to do this morning is just have you start uh, telling us a little bit about your background. I know recently I found out some things about you that, that I did not know. Um, really, uh, tell us about you know what you did before uh, you got into economic development, a little bit about your background. Uh, I know that you have... Uh, a couple of degrees from uh, a couple of different universities in North Carolina. Uh, but I believe at one time you told me you were born in Louisiana. So tell us about how you got to from Louisiana to North Carolina. Wow, you're starting from the beginning, are you? Okay. Absolutely. Sure, no problem. Yes, you're right. I was born in New Orleans, actually. Um, my dad was uh, a general contractor which is about like being in the military, except your transitions usually occur just in the United States for us. When he, did, <laughs> when he did work abroad, we stayed at home. So we moved quite a bit as a young kid. Um, Louisiana, gosh, before I can remember, Louisiana, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, I think we went to Florida for a while, Georgia. We were all over the place. Wherever the jobs took him is where we went, and we lived during the the course of the job. For the most part, he worked on larger construction projects, both industrial and uh, to a lesser degree residential, but mainly commercial industrial stuff, so it took us everywhere. Grew up for the most part once I got to an age where I had a voice and didn't want to move anymore. We happened to be in North Carolina, and so that is really where I consider home. Uh, my mother who's the only surviving parent I have, is uh, in Louisiana. That was where she was from, so she retired there. But pretty much grew up in North Carolina, in the central part of the state. I went to high school there, and that's where I really consider home. As you said, I went to you know, college there as well. During uh, high school, I was your typical high school kid in the, in the 70s. I told you how old I am. <laughs> And in North Carolina at the time, there were basically, from a job perspective, there were basically two things that a high school kid could do during the summer and earn enough money, in my case, to get me back to school the next year. One was priming tobacco in the fields, and that was way too hard work for me and outside work, and I didn't want to do that. So in Burlington, North Carolina, the second alternative was working in the textile mill, and that's exactly what I did from really a senior in high school working on the second shift for what at that time was Burlington Industries. And then with the same mill, gosh, every summer and every holiday that I was back home. So the, uh, the mill, North Carolina, the industrial sector at that time, the bulk were textiles 
in uh, the 70s. That's basically where I worked. That's basically what put me through school. Well, it, it seems like you're one of the, uh, really one of the rare folks uh, in, in, uh, in economic development that you seem to have pursued a career um, in economic development on purpose. Um, after you got your um, your bachelor's degree, you went on to the University of North Carolina and got a master's degree in um, in economic geography. Tell us about um, that and the decision to do that. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, at the time there was really no such thing like we have today where you've got degrees in economic development. This was about as close as you could get to it in the early to mid 80s. I got exposed to economic development as a graduate student. The University of North Carolina Chapel Hill at the time, and, and still does, runs the basic economic development course for North Carolina and, and that southeastern region outside of Georgia, let's put it that way. And at the time, the geography department and the planning department were the ones that were running the course, and I was what you call cheap labor. <laughs> Uh, I, they use me for everything. Here, you're, you're here. For, so I, I don't know if it was remedial because I didn't get it right the first time, but I think I went through um, my BEDC diploma says 1982 on it, but I think I went through three basic courses in my time at the University of North Carolina. So I guess I couldn't get it right the first time and had to go two other times to make sure they understood what I was doing or I understood what they were doing. But yeah, my <clears throat> starting Bachelor's degree is actually in earth science uh, from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington at the beach. Yes, I went to school because I wanted to be near the beach. <laughs> and at the time, my, my advisor there, my degree is actually, um, it's focused in geology and in, in hard rock geology. So in 1980, when I graduated, pretty much everyone in my department ended up coming to Houston and working in the oil fields. And less than three years later, pretty much everyone in my department was in Houston unemployed because there was no work in the oil fields anymore. Right. I uh, was what they call a hard rock geologist, so oil and gas was not where, I, where my forte was. My initial reaction, my initial opportunity was actually in Colorado uh, in the uh, uh, hard rock mining stuff. Six months on uh, out in the field, six months back when the weather got bad somewhere else. That didn't appeal to me either. So my third option was to go back to graduate school. So that's what I did. My minor in in, uh, in UNCW was actually in geography. My advisor there was a geography professor. And it was one of those things where I would take the geology courses I was required, the other courses I was required to take. And we had a few hours left each semester, and he says, well, look, I'm teaching this course in geography. Why don't you take urban geography? Why don't you take uh, economic geography? Why don't you take whatever he was teaching? So by the time I got at the end of it, I really enjoyed the geography part uh, quite a bit. Went back uh, to apply at graduate schools. I actually got accepted in the planning department at UT Austin, but quickly realized I couldn't afford to, as a broke kid, to come out and go to UT. Uh, got accepted at the geography department at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, so that's where he ended up. 
my uh, thesis advisor there, as you said, my uh, degree is in economic geography with a focus at the time on what was known as industrial location theory. And yeah. my thesis advisor at the time pretty much wrote the first book on industrial location theory. Uh, and the first textbook on that, I guess I should say, one of the very earlier pioneers in, in the business from a research standpoint. So that's where I got into it. That's where I got bit by the bug and have made a career of it since 1984. Wow, where, where did you start your career after you got your master's degree at uh, UNC Chapel Hill? Chapel Hill, I started just south of Chapel Hill in uh, the county, Chatham County, North Carolina. It is literally just south of where Chapel Hill is at. And I believe I just read somewhere that the new economic development person in uh, Irving, Texas came from Chatham County as well. So there are two oh, of really? Yeah, two of us here in the state uh, from the, that have worked in the same county in North Carolina. And several North Carolinians that are out here, I guess we all try to get to Texas as quick as we can. But started there, had the privilege at that point of starting the county program, which if anyone in this business has an opportunity to do that, I would jump on it in a heartbeat. It's been, it was one of the most rewarding and taught me more than you could learn under the tutelage of anyone uh, by starting your own program from scratch and really winning, oh help, not necessarily winning, but helping the community understand what is this thing they're getting into called economic development, why it's important, why they should be doing it, and really building everything from the data that you need at the time, which was all printed, of course, uh, to, you know, being out there learning how to market and knock on doors and do BRE and everything yourself. It was an pretty, office one. Pretty amazing experience for someone. You, you couldn't have been more than your mid-20s at that point in time. Yeah, but I think one of the things that did help was at least I did have the, the academic background and probably made it easier on me to get something started. I've been through, like I say at that time, three basic courses. So I right. started to develop a network and that's that's one of the things I will say about basic and, and the basic economic development course in general. Like I said, I graduated in 1982, went in 83 and 84, helped it. And there are still people that I stay in touch with all these <clears throat> a couple of years later that were in that course. So you do develop relationships in there. And those are the people that you turn to as a young kid going, okay, how, do, how did you do this? That's that. That's amazing. Okay, so from Chatham County, you went to where? I moved from there to um, Wake County, North Carolina, which is where Raleigh is at, the Raleigh Chamber of Commerce, and worked there for for a number of years, um, doing uh, economic with uh, with a great group of people in Raleigh. One of my one of my first mentors in this business was actually one of the other senior level vice presidents at the um, Raleigh Chamber. Uh, he was uh, used to work with the Department of Commerce there in Raleigh. I learned a lot from him when I was in Chatham County because he was one that took me under his wings and helped me learn the, the process of the business and then got to work with him for several years uh, at the Raleigh Chamber as well when he was there. So um, got him Mike Rakowska, so still remember him to this day. Run, in, run into him once in a while. He's long retired now. Uh, but served in that capacity for several years, 
kind of started and managed and got going uh, a, a program for all of Wake County, which is Raleigh and about 12 other cities within the county that we worked with. Tell us about when, um, I, I think you had one other stop before you first came to San Antonio. Tell us about when you came to San Antonio. Yeah, I went from Raleigh to um, to Charleston, South Carolina. Right, that's right. Yeah. Work, work down there. Uh, as, as only luck would have it, in my luck. Uh, I went to Charleston in 19, gosh, you're doing my brain work here. 1989, I guess it was. I uh, was there less than a year when Hurricane Hugo blew through. And you talk about a quick lesson in disaster recovery, economic development. When I see <laughs> things like what went on in Houston and other places, I can feel their pain because I have lived it and been through it. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a learning experience to really try to do economic development when the rest of the world looks at what's happened to your community and thought and thinks, well, they're gone, they're wiped out. That's right. not the case, obviously, but that's the perception you're trying to overcome there. But uh, Charleston, Charleston was a great learning experience in that regard too. It helped me from the disaster standpoint be able to work through those sort of things. Um, interesting community to deal with. Uh, we had a, a large manufacturing base there. They're still doing very well in, in the program. Actually, the person who um, took my place down there is still there. He's been there for 20 some odd years now, I guess, and doing a, a great job. But like happens in this business, a call out of the blue, basically, saying, hey, have you ever considered, would you consider moving to Texas? We've got this opportunity in San Antonio. I had been to San Antonio as a visitor and actually had been to San Antonio as a member of what at that time in the chamber business we used to call inner city visits. We would take a group from our chamber out, in this case to San Antonio, because Charleston was a very strong Air Force town, a very strong Navy town. So obviously we came out here to look at the, the Air Force and the, the Army installations that were here and try to learn from the best. So I wasn't, I wasn't completely unaware of South Texas. Uh, I did know that they had trees here. <laughs> so that was a start. Um, what Can't, year? On a whim. This, gosh, nineteen. When did I? You, 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 you're testing my brain here. <laughs> I guess it was nineteen ninety-two. So, so um, you came in to work for Mario at that time, right? Um, yeah. As a as a VP, right? That's correct. Right. Yeah. Not knowing Mario, we hit it off right up front, and he has been a strong mentor of mine for the entire time I've been here. He's a, a bastion from an economic development standpoint in Texas and a great guy, too. Well, and you all had such a great team there. In, I seem to recall in the early 90s at, at the EDF. That was, a, that was a great time, I think, for all of you all. It, it was indeed, uh, no, no doubt there. There was a lot happening here in the market, um, a lot going on strong. At that time, the foundation was 100% privately funded. We've changed our focus now and are, are really a true public-private partnership, which has opened doors for us. But uh, different days, 
but very strong in what we did. Learned a lot as it relates to really doing marketing, getting out there and knocking on doors, doing the cold calls, doing the uh, having the, the ability to to go and attend meetings and conferences and learn. Is San Antonio gave me that opportunity from the beginning, which was great at, at that time in my career. At, at some point there, it's uh, I, I seem to recall you 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 left EDF and led the economic development um, effort at CPS Energy. Uh, tell us about that period of time in your career. Carlton, that was one of the things that as in the 80s when I started in economic development, and, and you probably remember this from, from your days on the consulting side of the house and everything else, for a young economic developer in late 70s, early 80s, there were two places you wanted to strive for, the railroad or the utility. <laughs> that's right that was like the mecca of economic development jobs exactly yes. um, I had an opportunity early on in my career to go to work for the railroad but unfortunately I just taken a brand new job somewhere and I didn't feel it was proper to, to leave to go to the railroad so I I blew that opportunity early on in the career I wasn't going to blow the second one with the utility uh, so yes there an opportunity came along the person who was leading the uh, economic development team at CPS Energy was getting close to retirement. Uh, Bill Hartman uh, was his name. Bill was very involved in economic development in the state of Texas and TEDC as well. So another good mentor, learned a lot from him, learned a lot at the utility, spent 12 years, I guess, with CPS Energy. Great experience there in terms of not only just from an economic development standpoint, which all of a sudden I was taking a support role in economic development versus the active recruiting role in economic development. So it's good learning experience on how to sit back and not be in charge, but to support EDF and the other, at that time, 28 cities that we dealt with from CPS Energy standpoint. Also manage their uh, uh, key account program and their account managers. So we spent a lot of time working with the existing businesses in San Antonio from both a an electric standpoint, my power's not on, I need help, my team is who they called. My bill seems too high, I need help, my team is who they called. To, hey, we're considering growing, what can we do or how do we go about trying to determine whether or not we we can grow in San Antonio. That was the beginnings of the BRE program here, I actually started over at CPS Energy through the key account guys and really molded from there because nobody was doing it. Nobody was doing business retention and expansion on a systematic basis in, in San Antonio at that time. And that didn't really start until about six years ago, I guess, six or seven years ago now when AT&T uh, moved their corporate headquarters from San Antonio to Dallas, which was a real wake-up call. San Antonio was doing a great job in recruiting new businesses. Toyota came in at the time, I was with CPS, and we worked through that process with them. A lot of things happening, but the existing businesses were not really being taken care of. And when AT&T left, that's when the city's and all of our partners here 
we're going, okay, time out. We need to, we need to do a better job of taking care of the ones that are already here. And that was also about the same time that um, I came back to EDF and uh, from the utility about 12 years later. And also at about the same time that the foundation for the first time in its 40 plus year history uh, developed marketing agreements with our, with our public sector partners. So we really became truly a, a public private partnership. Tom, um, combined now, how long have you been with the EDF? First time and second time. Oh gosh. Um, eight, I'm making you do some math again. About, I know math and I don't know that I have this many fingers to be able to do this. Uh, right at 12 years, I guess now combined 12 years, with EDF, 12 years combined with EDF. So that's I've been, amazing. That's, that's such an, that's such an awesome uh, uh, record of service. Uh, the fact that you were at the EDF, uh, went over to CPS, and now really are in, as you were touching on, you're really in a, a the, the EDF is a, is a different place than it was 25 years ago. Um, and, and now you're in the middle of, uh, it's, it's really, it's recreation, I, I would say, as an organization. Carlton, that's a great way to put it. it, it is, it's been a rebirth of the organization, recreation of the organization indeed. Mario retired, well-deserved retirement from his standpoint. He's, he did a great job for this community in the many, many years that he served as the president uh, of, of EDF, probably one of the longest serving in, in the profession in, in the sense that most of us tend to stay around five or six years anywhere we go and then move on for one reason or another. But Mario was here for, gosh, what, almost 25 plus years, 30 years, uh, which is almost. I think, I think it was 30 years. I, yeah. Early 80s to what, three or four years ago, right? Uh, so. and, yeah. And in case any of the podcast listeners wonder, he's still alive. He's still doing very well. I don't mean <laughs> past tense here. Yes. His game has gotten better from what I understand, too. I'm sure it has. Yeah. But um, yeah, we it, it's been a it's been a real great change for the organization. Not only the fact that it's public and private now, we've got the teams in twenty one place to really move us forward. We've also taken on in the organization uh, a sister group that's with us called SA Works, which really focuses on workforce development and that that nexus between workforce and economic development. As we all know, workforce is a key issue. I don't care what type of project you're working with these days. There are always going to be questions and concerns about do you have the workforce that we need to be able to be successful in your community? And that's why we took on that. It's not only just the workforce for today, but also working back with our community college, with the high schools, even with the middle schools to develop programs to show that there are opportunities in San Antonio for you to make a career and for you to live a lifetime here. Good paying opportunities. Here's what you need to make it happen. So workforce has come under us as well. And we're working with them on, on internships and uh, job shadow days and teacher externships and all sorts of exciting things going on in the workforce realm with, uh, with San Antonio right now. And about four months ago, we incorporated uh, what used to be called 
a free trade alliance San Antonio into our organization. So now we're doing both domestic and international uh, recruitment, foreign direct investment, and um, export uh, leadership and export development. So it's it's changed a lot from the old days when we were just out there, you know, 1974, when the foundation was started. It was started by the, the USAAs and Frost Banks and other key leaders in town as a private group focused solely on bringing new companies into San Antonio, nothing else. The thought process was we're a great tourism town, we're a great military town, but we can't rely on those two sectors to keep us going long term as a community. We've got to diversify. That worked for many years. We've now brought on BRE, we've now brought on workforce development, we've now brought on international development, and it's broadened our scope, but also helped us to really focus on who we want to be under the direction of a new leader who's been here about two years, and she is a dynamo. You know, Tom, um, from my vantage point, I get to see, you know, how, um, uh, the differences in the the people in our business and, and the differences in their avenues to success. Um, one of the things I've always admired about you is you seem to be uh, a real student of economic development. Um, your passion comes through when you're talking about projects and about getting things done, just as you were then describing, uh, you know, how it, it was apparent in how excited you were to talk about the fact that y'all were doing trade uh, related activities, that y'all were uh, the key workforce group in San Antonio. Uh, I've, I've always really admired that in you. Uh, I think that's been a great part of the reason you've been so successful. Well, thank you, Carlton. I appreciate it. That very much. You know, it's it's two things from my perspective, I guess. One, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. Otherwise, I'd say go out and look for another career somewhere. And I have thoroughly enjoyed the opportunities that economic development presented me over these, you know, what, 30 plus, 25, 30 years, I guess now. The second thing is, and I've had people ask me before, is like, why do you do what you do? You know, what's, what's your motivating factor? And um, in thinking through everything, I guess it boils down, and I, I know people have heard me say this before, if they've attended any basic course or anything that I've done, is I do what I do because I enjoy knowing that I'm providing jobs for people that I'll likely never meet. But they have a job now because of what our organization does and what the team does here to bring companies and to help grow companies. The, the, the whole do-gooder aspect of economic development um, is what you're saying and, and exactly yeah i i and love in this it. day and age unfortunately sometimes that gets lost in all the discussions and arguments and politics and everything else that goes along with it is when it comes down to it we're talking about people yeah i love that tom i i i have a similar feeling about it um you know, you know i i you can you, you can feel good about the fact that you're working in a business that's trying to make people's lives better. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, one of the things, in, in addition to all these great career accomplishments, um, 
Tom, you you have uh, really um, done a great job in in participating in and uh, being a leader of the various associations uh, related to economic development. And, and by that, I mean uh, the SEDC. Of course, you um, worked in that part of the country. Uh, and the IEDC, the National uh, Organization or Association for Economic Developers. And then, of course, the TEDC. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about that and why that's been important to you. As you mentioned earlier, part of my passion is continuous and should be with everybody. I don't care what profession you're in, but definitely in economic development. Things have changed significantly over my tenure in economic development from, you know, what was lovingly referred to in the Southeast as smokestack chasing back <laughs> in the 80s to what we do now in economic development. There was a time when, uh, I'll, you know, be open and honest with you on this one, there was a time when uh, I thought retail, no, that's not economic development. That's a non-basic industry and we shouldn't be dealing with it. Well, times have changed. You know, retail now in some instances almost acts like a basic industry. So yeah, and to involvement in organizations like, most importantly, your state organization, TEDC and, you know, the, the, the other people may not like to hear me say this, if anybody from SEDC or IEDC or anywhere else is listening. But first and foremost, from an economic developer's perspective, you need to be involved with your state organization. And TEDC has been a great organization for, to help me grow, not only in learning how Texas does things, which, let's admit, Texas does things a little different from most of the other states from an economic development perspective. But right. learning that, making the connections, and then growing from there is, is opportunities and budgets allow. SEDC has allowed me a chance not only to stay in contact with people that I worked with in the Southeast for many years, but also in the back of your mind to learn, okay, what's new? How are those, how, how's the state of Georgia doing things now? What's North Carolina doing? What's South Carolina doing? What's Mississippi doing? That we can come back and um, take advantage of uh, some of the best of the best in the other organizations in the other states and the other places you know I, I was uh, and that's that's why I stay involved in that it's continuously learning continuously uh, growing continuously uh, trying to uh, as I heard uh, gosh I don't remember who said this it was at a recent meeting I was at they said that R&D is critical to economic development and you should always be doing R&D and R&D is ripoff and duplicates that's what you're doing. <laughs> Everybody else is doing, ripping off what they're doing and duplicating into your own community. Yeah, yeah, that's R&D. That, that's, that's good. Hey, but, uh, the, the, the organizations, to, to, to learn, to grow, to be the best you can in the business, you've got to be involved. You can't be so myopic that you look just at your own community. You need to see how others are doing it and steal from the best with pride. A absolutely. Hey, Tom, you... Um, you have uh, uh, journeyed through the uh, uh, the board and and through the the executive committee, and this is your year as chair, and uh, you're doing a fabulous job. And and uh, you you're entering that time where you you will be able to look back 
on um, your and, and with with a perspective that only a, a TDC leader chair uh, can have. But while doing that, what where are we going to go? Uh, what should we be doing? And uh, what do you think the future holds for us? I am looking forward to that time, as you so eloquently put it. And as <laughs> Fred Welsh talked to me last year about it, because you'll be the guy with the biggest smile because you were going to be the past chair and can just sit back now. The past chair is a great job, it's, isn't it? It's, a, it's the best position to have, I think. And Fred, Fred proven that to me over and over again this year. Um, but TEDC's future, I think, is is great. We've got a great team in place with, with you and all the other folks that work with TEDC. Uh, great staff, great organization. The tenure is there, so I think we've got a good future ahead of us. I think the profession, as we all know, is changing, and I won't get into a, you know pontificating on that at all, but people are changing. The basic courses that I did in the 80s, all three of them, you could count on less than one hand the number of females that were in the course. And in the first one, I don't think there was even one female in the course. But that has changed. The Not as many gray-haired people like me in the profession anymore, which is good. So I think the future of TEDC is being able to, and what I'm trying to, we're trying to do this year as a team, is, is reach down and reach out reach down into our organizations and help those who work with us to continue to provide the opportunities for them to learn, to grow, to get involved, and to develop their own networks. And from TEDC's perspective, reach out uh, within the state to help uh, educate professionals, to help educate volunteers on the important work we do as economic developers, and reach out to areas that maybe we don't touch as often as we can. People may not be able to come to our meetings. So, you know, let's take our meetings to them. Let's take opportunities to them. Uh, TDC is doing that through the sales tax uh, workshops and things that you're doing around the state with the webinars that we're doing around the state right now, continuing those things to help provide opportunities for people to learn. And most importantly, I think in the future, the organization is going to have to do a a much better job if that's the right term to use but a a more uh, concerted effort needs to be placed in my opinion on promoting economic development promoting economic development in the state of texas as a profession and promoting economic development as an effort that is worthwhile to our communities because i think a lot of the um, leadership in some of the community and a lot of leadership in communities these days are thinking oh it's economic development anybody can do this uh, no there is a method there is protocol there are ways where communities can be successful and there are many ways where they cannot be successful and it takes a long time to develop those relationships and to develop that professional attitude develop your community to be ready for new opportunities when they come along, and it takes only one time to ruin it all if you don't do it right. And we need to educate, I think, and promote the profession as worthwhile 
beneficial to the communities and impactful on our communities and can't be done by just anybody and everybody. My goodness, Tom, that was awesome. <laughs> Should we pick up the collection now or later? That, that was incredible. Uh, that's, that's my three-point sermon, right? Wow. Uh, you have reached right reverend status with that one. That, I, uh, oh my gosh, uh, well done, well said. Thank you, um, sir. I encourage you to, uh, uh, to to preach that, and and I will encourage people to uh, to listen to this part, especially of this podcast, because I haven't I've never heard it said any better than what you just did. That was really awesome. Yeah. And, Thank you uh, for that. And, and TEDC has the ability to do everything I just talked about. And I think the leadership that's in place now and the executive committee and the board, I think we're moving in the right direction. It's just a matter of let's, let's really work to get there. Well, uh, eloquently stated, uh, passionately um, stated as well. Um, I can't really put uh, a wrap on that. That was beautifully done. Tom, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time today. Uh, great conversation. Uh, you are uh, truly uh, one of the great professionals in our business and a, and a great leader of the TDC. Thanks again for uh, spending some time with us today. Thanks, Carlton. It's been my pleasure. And uh, thanks to TEDC for doing this. This is something new, something different, something that proves that we're moving in the right direction. Thanks.